do welcome each one uh, to our adult Bible class this morning, and uh, we welcome those watching online as well, trusting the Lord uh, would meet with us and apply His Word to our hearts. And we're going to uh, we're going to open in prayer, and we'll uh, seek the Lord, please. Our eternal God and our Father in heaven, we thank Thee for Thy goodness, Thy mercy toward us. We thank Thee that we are here this morning because of all that Thou has done for us. We thank Thee we are here because of the Word of God, the inspired Scriptures of truth. And as we consider afresh something of Thy Word, we pray, O God, that Thou would apply it to our hearts, that we would practice it in our lives. And we ask Thee that we would see clearly these things this morning and that thy word would have uh, that high place, uh, that reverence, that esteem uh, within our lives. Uh, we pray, O oh God, thou would draw nigh to us now, uh, bless us this day in thy house, and may thy word have free course and be glorified. And uh, we pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. I'm going to turn in the word of God this morning to John's Gospel, uh, chapter 10. John's Gospel, chapter 10, and then across to 1 Thessalonians, uh, chapter 3. And we're continuing our uh, study in the doctrine of Scripture, uh, coming this morning to the authority of Scripture, uh, building upon uh, the inspiration of the Word of God. God's Word is inspired, and then because it is inspired, uh, because it is the Word of God, it has authority. And we're going to consider that subject. Uh, but John, chapter 10... And we'll break into this passage, the verse 31. The Word of God says, Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of those works do ye stone me? The Jews answered, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. And Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, ye are gods? If he called them gods unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken. Say ye of them whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world, and thou blasphemest, because I said, I am the Son of God. If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works that ye may know, and believe that the Father is in me, and I in him. There's that phrase in verse 35 I want to draw your attention to. Uh, the Scripture cannot be broken. It cannot be dissolved or destroyed, as the Greek uh, can imply as well. The Scripture cannot be broken. And then 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, uh, not chapter 3, chapter 2, and uh, we'll read uh, from uh, verse uh, number 11. The Word of God says, As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. For this cause also we thank God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, 
but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Amen. And again, it is that last verse, the verse 13, I want to draw your attention uh, to this morning as well. Uh, because when uh, these believers heard the word of God from Paul, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. In the world today, often individuals will criticize the believer, the Christian, the child of God, uh, for having an authoritarian religion. They say you just do what the preacher says. And there's a demand placed upon you that you obey him. And therefore, that's oppressive. And I myself prefer to make my own decisions, and I prefer to make up my own mind. And in a certain sense, there should be a doing what the preacher says in as far as it is in line with the Holy Scriptures. For the reality is that we're not bound to the authority of the preacher as such, but rather we are all bound, preacher, hearer, uh, even those outside of the kingdom of God, because uh, we are God's creation. We are bound by the Word of God, and we are bound by the authority of Scripture. And the reality is we must all be obedient to it. It is the governing aspect of Christianity, the governing aspect of our lives, the governing aspect of the church. And all these things have their foundation in the Word of God, for it has a divine authority. And the authority of God's Word is summed up well by Martin Luther during the Diet of Worms in 1521. Luther was urged to give an answer for his criticisms of the Catholic Church for his propagation of what they called false doctrine. And after much prayer, he gave his defense in what is now considered a great and famous speech. And in an extract from that speech, he said, Since your most serene majesty and your highnesses require of me a simple, clear, and direct answer coming to the end of his speech, his defense, he says, I will give one. And it is this, I cannot submit my faith either to the pope or to the council because it is clear that they have fallen into error and even into inconsistency with themselves. If then... I am not convinced by proof from Holy Scripture or by reason, if I am not satisfied by the very text I have cited, and if my judgment is not in this way brought into subjection to God's Word, I neither can nor will retract anything, for it cannot be either safe or honest for a Christian to speak against his conscience. Here I stand. I cannot do otherwise. God help me. And what Luther was setting out in that defense is a, the very basic Protestant and Reformed principle of Scripture alone. Recognizing the divine authority of God's Word, he places himself in subjection uh, to that Word, to that authority, and therefore in all matters of faith and practice, all aspects of his life, his doctrine, whatever it may be, is brought into subjection with the Word of God. It is his guiding principle. It is his rule of faith and practice. It is the bedrock upon which his theology and his belief is founded. 
It is the Word of God because it has divine authority. And the very same principle that Luther saw in the Word of God, that he applied in his life, that he applied in the Reformation, that was then uh, taken and applied by the Lord in the hearts of others, and uh, this principle that set the Reformation apart, sola scriptura, scripture alone, is based on the authority that the Word of God has, an authority to rule our lives, to rule the church, an authority from which we get our teaching and our doctrine. And as we'll see uh, later on, it is an authority which has been rejected by many, by many. And of course, the Roman Catholic Church being one of those many, or perhaps we could say many of those many. And so, we come to this subject, the authority of Scripture. It is an important subject. It builds, as I said, upon God revealing Himself, upon God inspiring His written Word. And therefore, one of the effects of having the written Word of God is that it has authority. And that authority is to be applied in our lives. And I want you to see, firstly, this morning, authority defined. The authority of Scripture, authority defined. As I've said, we considered in previous weeks the inspiration of Scripture. That's the foundation for what we believe concerning the Word of God, like inerrancy and sufficiency, but authority. And the Word of God has authority because it is inspired. The Westminster Confession of Faith states in chapter 1, section 4, that the authority of the Holy Scripture for which it ought to be believed and obeyed dependeth not upon the testimony of any man or church, but wholly upon God, who is truth itself. The author thereof, and therefore it is to be received because it is the Word of God. There is this authority within Scripture because of its author. Its author is God, God who has all authority within this world, for He is its creator. God who has authority upon us. God has given us His Word, and that Word is stamped with His authority. I could be uh, the uh, greatest bi biologist in this world. I could specialize in insects. And then I could go and write a book, uh, perhaps about human counseling and how to counsel and help humans. And I promote that by saying that I'm a doctor. I'm the foremost specialist in my field of insects, and I'm writing this book on human counseling. It'd be worthless almost, because that's not my field of expertise. It's not my field of expertise. But when we come to Scripture, who is Scripture written by? Paul and Moses, etc., yes, men of God who were inspired by the Holy Spirit, and therefore making the Scripture God's Word. He ultimately is its author, and therefore because of who God is. He is the infinite God. He is the creator of this world. He is the one who not only has created this world, but rules this world in providence. He sustains His creation. He is the one who has made the way of salvation known through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our Savior, our Lord. He has all authority. And therefore, when it comes to Scripture, it has the authority of God stamped upon it, far greater than 
any mere man, far greater than any man writing a book, whether it's in his field of expertise or not. When we come to the Word of God, yes, it's certainly in God's field of expertise, for every field is his expertise because he has all knowledge. He is the creator. God's authority is stamped upon his word. And as believers, that is to mean something to us. We love and treasure the scripture because God's authority is stamped upon it. And this thought reminds us that we have a reason to obey Scripture. We do not obey it because men say. We do not obey it because a church says we have to obey it. It is not enough for a pastor or a church to tell us to obey Scripture, but rather Scripture is the only authority sufficient for, to command our commitment to the Bible because God pens Scripture. He directs us to His Word. As Peter said in his epistle, it is a more sure word, a more sure word. It is a word, as we read in John 10, cannot be broken. It cannot be destroyed. God's word is sure and settled in heaven and therefore has authority in all matters concerning ourselves and his church. The Westminster Confession of Faith goes on to say, the whole counsel of God concerning all things necessary for his own glory, man's salvation, faith, and life is either expressly set down in Scripture or by good and necessary consequence may be deduced from Scripture, unto which nothing at any time is to be added, whether by new revelations of the Spirit or traditions of men. And uh, looking at uh, Scripture and uh, what may be deduced from Scripture, we can think of the Trinity. We see the concept of the Trinity in Scripture. It is not called the Trinity. It is not set forth in the sense, in a theological way of explanation, but we see it, and we see the truths concerning the Trinity in the Word of God. The divines go on to say in the Confession, nevertheless, we acknowledge the inward illumination of the Spirit of God to be necessary for the saving understanding of such things as are revealed in the Word, and that there are some circumstances concerning the worship of God and government of the church common to human actions and societies which are to be ordered by the light of nature, and Christian prudence according to the general rules of the Word, which are always to be observed. It goes on to say, the supreme judge by which all controversies of religion are to be determined, and all decrees of counsel, opinions of ancient writers, doctrines of men, and private spirits are to be examined, and in whose sentence we are to rest can be no other but the Holy Spirit speaking in the Scripture. Again, building on sola scriptura, it's scripture alone. Men may come together and debate doctrine, but what we are to rest in is what God says in scripture concerning that doctrine. When we think of Martin Luther, he battled the Roman Catholic Church on the issue of biblical authority. Scripture alone, being the word of God, is this final rule. And Luther said, our endeavor must therefore not be to put aside Scripture and to direct our attention to the merely human writings of the fathers. On the contrary, putting aside all human writings, we should spend all the more and all the more persistent labor on the Scripture alone. He said that in all articles, the foundation of our faith must be God's Word alone. And without God's Word, there can be no article of faith. For there's no authority outside by which we can govern our faith. 
And Luther was very clear of going back to Scripture, setting aside those things that had infiltrated the Roman Catholic Church, going back to Scripture. John Calvin, even more so, going back to Scripture, seeing what Scripture said, abiding by the Word of God alone. The formula of Concord, a confession from the Reformation, said that we believe, confess, and teach that the only rule and norm according to which all dogmas and all doctors ought to be esteemed and judged is no other whatever than the prophetic and apostolic writings both of the Old and of the New Testament. And therefore, the Reformation very briefly set forth that the authority of God's Word was to be rested upon alone, alone, nothing else, nothing else. John Calvin certainly agreed with Martin Luther and built upon what he said. He refuted the Roman Catholic idea that the church conferred authority upon Scripture. He said that if the teaching of the prophets and apostles is the foundation, this must have had authority before the church began to exist. But he says it is utterly vain then to pretend that the power of judging Scripture so lies with the church. In other words, the Scripture or the church is to submit to Scripture rather than to exercise authority over Scripture. Our role as the church of Christ is to submit to the Word of God, not to be the judge and to exercise authority over Scripture and over tradition and over oral uh, traditions and writings and bringing them alongside the Word of God like the Roman Catholic Church do. We're to submit to what Scripture alone says. And then secondly, I want you to consider, and we've touched on this already, but looking at this in more detail, authority rejected. Authority rejected. A.A. Hodge, the Princeton theologian, said in his propositions that came from the text of the Westminster Confession of Faith. In college, we had to go through memory work, uh, learning these uh, propositions. He had a commentary on the Confession of Faith, and under the, various, uh, under the various teachings of the Confession, he had propositions and points that came from that, and those propositions and points we had to commit uh, to memory. Uh, that was quite a while ago uh, for me. I may have remembered them, uh, but I remember them, I think, for an exam. And if I need to look at them again, well, I need to look at the book. Uh, but looking at what he says, he deals with that chapter on the doctrine of Scripture, and he says that the authority, coming from the text of the Confession, there's a teaching that the authority of the inspired Scriptures does not rest upon the testimony of the church coming back to that thought, but directly upon God. He goes on to say that this proposition is designed to deny the Roman heresy that the inspired church is the ultimate source of all divine knowledge, and that written Scripture and ecclesiastical tradition alike depend upon the authoritative seal of the church for their credibility. They thus make the Scriptures a product of the Spirit through the church, while in fact the church is a product of the Spirit through the instrumentality of the Word. 
When we consider the significance and reality of biblical authority, thought must be given to the debates and controversies over this doctrine during the Reformation. Martin Luther and the Reformers did not cause a split or a schism, a schism because they decided to have a high view of biblical authority. The Roman Catholic Church caused the division because they set aside and they ignored and they neglected and they rejected biblical authority. The Roman Catholic Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God, yet they add to the Scriptures their traditions. The Council of Trent in 1546, and that's a significant date. The Council of Trent was set up uh, to counter the Reformation. And again, a perfect opportunity for the Roman Catholic Church to realize the Reformers are right on this. Scripture alone is what we should be doing. It is what we should be believing and practicing. And therefore, we're going to set aside tradition and we're going to come back to the Word of God alone, the perfect opportunity to debate and discuss it and to implement it. But what did they say? They declared that the Scriptures and unwritten writings of the church were of equal authority. Those books that we would refer to as the Apocrypha, uninspired, were added to the canon of Scripture. And so, the Roman Catholic view of biblical authority is not the Word of God alone. It's the Word of God and other things. And that goes against the teaching of Scripture because Scripture is the Word of God. The Scripture cannot be broken. As Paul says to the Thessalonian church here in 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13, he's thanking God because when the Word of God was preached to them, they received it, not as the Word of man, but as the Word of God, which then effectually worked in those that believed. There was a power behind it. There was an authority there. It was God's Word. God's Word and not the ideas and the writings of men. The Roman Catholic Church acted quickly to counter the Reformation, not only in the Council of Trent, but uh, some of their theologians. John Eck, for example, stated that he stated that Scripture is not authentic without the authority of the church. It is not authentic without the authority of the church. In other words, God's Word is not God's Word unless the church says it is so. The church has the final say. X said, great indeed, great is the authority of the church to which Scripture itself bows. To which Scripture itself bows. The Protestant version of that we would speak about the authority of God, the authority of Scripture to which the church submits. There's a difference. And that difference is important because today, even today, men are still rejecting the authority of God's Word. We don't have to believe God's Word in this matter. And when it comes to morality, when it comes to uh, looking at who should marry, which is, again, a big issue within uh, the professing church. We don't need to listen to God's Word. It's outdated. It's in the past. 
Look at how society is moving and evolving and changing. And what men say now is acceptable. And the church then moves away from what God says, rejects the Bible, rejects that marriage is between a man and a woman, and embraces the modern thinking, the modern sinful thinking on these things because the authority of God's Word is set aside on those matters. And on other matters as well, the doctrine of salvation, justification, many other things, the doctrine of sin, of hell and judgment, these things are being set aside because man in his sinfulness and in his wickedness is rejecting these doctrines and changing the Word of God. And if we want to know what God's message to the church is and what God's message to humanity is today, we need to look at the authority of Scripture firstly. It's His inspired Word. It has authority. Set everything else aside. What does Scripture say? And that is what the Bereans did. When Paul preached to them, what did they do in Acts 17? They set aside their ideas. That's what the Greek would mean. They went into the Word of God unbiasedly. Unbiasedly. Paul has said this. Let's set it there for a moment. Let's see what God's Word says. Without influence from Paul or anybody else, what does God's Word say? Well, God's Word says exactly what Paul has said. Therefore, as the Word of God tells us, many of them believed. Many of them believed. Biblical authority is set aside today. Dear believer, if you love the Lord, if you desire to walk in His ways, this is a doctrine you cannot set aside. If we look, for example, at one of the commandments, thou shalt not steal, and we decide, well, that doesn't apply for whatever reason in our own mind, in our own thinking. That does not apply. Whatever way we get around it, it does not apply. And we go and we steal and we do all manner of things. We're sinning against God. We've rejected His authority on that particular commandment. And that is what men are doing today. We see it historically in the Roman Catholic Church, but we see it today. We see it in churches. We see it in society. We see it in our lives. When we sin against God, what are we doing? We're setting aside the authority of God's Word. God has said this. God has said, do not commit this sin. And in our own wickedness, we ignore the authority of God's Word, and we fall into sin. We're also not to add to Scripture. Adding to Scripture, adding to the biblical authority, is also part of this rejection, rejecting that it is enough. In the New Testament, Christ accused uh, the uh, Pharisees. If we turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 15, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 15, we see that the Pharisees here were accused by the Savior. Matthew 15, the verse 7, Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah's prophecy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. 
but in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And what is being done here, like the Roman Catholic Church adding the traditions, uh, the Pharisees here were adding the commandments of men that were burdensome to the people, adding commandments of men to the Word of God. Revelation 22 tells us, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man take away the, from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. A warning there, yes, applicable to the book of Revelation, but certainly when we think of the whole testimony of Scripture, we're not to add to it, we're not to take away from it. We're to rest in God's authority from Genesis to Revelation. And then thirdly, I want you to see authority practiced. Authority practiced. When we think of what this authority is, when we think that men have rejected it, we as believers are to practice it. It is to be applied to our lives. If Scripture is a more sure word, if it cannot be broken, then there are real demands that are placed upon us. If Scripture is true, if Christ is our Creator and our Judge and our Redeemer, we are bound to believe His Word because it is the Word of God. God's authority is stamped upon it. And therefore, the doctrine of biblical authority must be practiced in our own personal lives, in the life of the church. And it is not enough just to preach biblical authority. It is not enough just to tick a box that says, we believe it. We believe that the Word of God has authority. It must be practiced. It must be practiced. We are to do as the Word says we are to do. It is our only rule of faith and practice. And again, if these doctrines, God's revelation, the inspiration of Scripture, the authority of God, means something to us as a believer, it's not just in our heads, it's in our hearts, and it will be seen being practiced within our lives. And Scripture should then be the sole authority for our faith, our sole source for our faith. If you were to write a book about the history of Calgary, how would you go about that? You do research, researching those who pioneered the first growth in this area, researching Fort Calgary, researching how businesses sprang up, how the railroad came, documenting how the city grew over the years, especially through immigration, considering how uh, multicultural the city is today. And to gain such information, who do you go to? The one man who lived through it all, over 100 years old, that can't be done. You need long interviews with such a man. He doesn't exist. You'd have to consult hundreds of different sources, old photographs, old history books, researching from this book and that book and the other book, and seeing how the city came together. And for our faith, finding out the doctrines we believe, while we may read and study Reformed literature, there is ultimately one source, one source that is God's Word. Our faith is not founded upon different sources, but it is founded upon one source that is stamped with His authority for us to believe. 
We were taught perhaps many things as children. And I was brought up in the Free Presbyterian Church, and therefore I was subjected to what we believe uh, from a very early age. And in fact, I knew very little else until I was much older. I didn't really know uh, the beliefs of the Roman Catholic system or the Mormons or, or the Anglicans or, or whatever else until I was uh, well on in my years, certainly my later childhood years, etc., and not my 30s, but my later childhood years. And what we were taught, what I was taught as a child, what traditions that I might have a natural affinity to cannot be my foundation and authority. It must be God's Word. And the truths that I was taught as a child, yes, are founded upon the Word of God. And the Word of God is our authority, and the Word of God, being His truth, has the right to control your thinking. Our conscience must be bound to it. Don't let us be blown about by every wind of doctrine. That we may cling to theories that cannot be held to the scrutiny of Scripture. Let us, by God's grace, bind our conscience to the Word of God. Dear believer, our conscience should be bound to Scripture. Thomas Boston said that the conscience of some is too persnickety. It's a term I never saw before. I had to look up what it meant. It means that too much emphasis is placed on trivial or minor details. One theologian gave the example of Jehovah's Witnesses and their opposition to blood transfusions. Yet other things are clearly allowed, things allowed which God's Word condemns. But they're caught up on trivial things. We're not to be caught up on trivial things. Our conscience is bound to the Word of God, not the ideas of men. Over history, there have been those who burnt men and women at the stake because they believed in Protestant Reformed biblical doctrine. Their conscience was the foundation of that. Their conscience was not bound by the Word of God. Our conscience should not be bound by the ideas of man, but by the Word of God, which is sure and certain and has authority and is pure and is holy. Dear believer, if we believe in the authority of God's Word, let our conscience be bound by it. Let our faith be governed by it. Let our doctrines be sourced from it. We are to have humility toward the Word of God. We're to be broken by the Word of God. God's Word is true. And as we're broken by it, we see our worthlessness, we see our sin, we see our rebellion against God, we see our dependence upon Christ, upon Christ alone. We see the need that we have to obey the Word of God. It is His authority. We're to be submissive to His Word. We're to obey it. We're to obey it. And we're to obey it out of love, love for Christ, love for the Lord, love for His Word. Do you obey the Word of God? That is something that comes from His Word having authority. His people are to obey it. His people are to love it. How often in Scripture we find that the people of God did not obey the voice of God, and judgment came upon them. Let us obey His Word. Let us love His Word. 
And the psalmist, on many occasions, in Psalm 119, spoke about loving the testimonies of the Lord, loving His commandments. God's Word has this great divine authority. Let us love it because it draws us closer to Christ. Let us love it because it shows us our sin. Let us love it because it helps us to conquer our sin and to live for Christ and to be closer to God. Let us love His Word because it helps and enables us to be witnesses for Him in this world, to go forth with the Word that we know has biblical authority, the Word that men need. Let us love His Word not merely saying we love His Word, but living out that love. We're to have a fear of the Word of God, a reverence for it, a respect for it. Do we view it as that unbreakable and unnecessary Word that we must live by? Do we have a reverence for it? And the Word of God has the same authority in ethics and in daily behavior as it does within the belief system of our church. We should not add to it. We've touched on relationships and how the Scripture says a man and a woman should marry. That's the essence of the biblical created order. But should a woman marry a man or a man marry a woman? If one was an unbeliever and one was a believer, they're coming together as husband and wife. The Word of God tells us marriage is in the Lord. The Word of God tells us, do not be unequally yoked. It's not a mere recommendation, but it's a command from God. A command from God. Scripture controls our ethics. Scripture controls our daily behavior. It controls our worship and how we are to approach God. The authority of God's Word tells us that He is in control. It removes our fears and our doubts. We wonder what will happen in the future. We wonder and we hear things about where this world is going and the ideas and the schemes and agendas of men. We're not to let our hearts be troubled because God's Word reminds us because it has authority, it reminds us God is in control. God is in control. The prime minister is only prime minister not because of the votes that men gave him, but because God is in control. And God has a purpose according to His divine will. The votes of individuals did not overcome or conquer the will of God. And the same is true in many situations. God is in control. Let us take comfort. God's Word, because of His authority, is a book of comfort to our hearts. And if we believe divine authority to be upon the Holy Scripture, then we must not only read, but we must place ourselves under the ministry of those who preach and practice, and churches that believe and practice the exact same truths. Too many churches are filled with the ideas of men or the progressive views of society. I can take you to churches today. I'm sure you could take me too, uh, to, to these churches. I think we should all refuse to take each other. Uh, but if we were to go to these churches, and we would see that the world's idea of sexuality, as we've said already, uh, the world's idea of relationships, the world's idea of many other things governs their beliefs and actions. I was in Banff uh, just a few months ago, and on the railings of a church there, uh, there was rainbow-colored ribbons used. 
not merely for decoration, but for making a statement. And it had nothing to do with Noah's art and judgment. A statement that is seen as an abomination if biblical authority was believed and practiced. Many conservative churches today, so often man's opinions and man's ideas of conduct and belief come above Scripture. Verses are given out of context to push a certain agenda or a certain tradition, and we must take care not to live according to the traditions of men. We may like some of those traditions. We may follow some of those traditions, but we're not to be enslaved by them, nor we are to use force and force such traditions upon others. God's Word is to be our only rule of faith and practice. Dear believer, oh, this morning that you would see the importance of divine authority in the Word of God. You would believe it. You would practice it. You would hold true to it. That you would believe that the Word of God has His authority stamped upon it. That you would obey it and live it for His glory. It is important. When we look at what happens in this world when God's authority in His Word is rejected, we see that. In the Roman Catholic Church, we see that in Christianity. We see that in the world. But what happens when God's authority is believed in and obeyed and trusted? There is blessing, His blessing. And let His blessing be upon us for His name's sake. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Our eternal God and our Father in heaven, we thank Thee for Thy Word. We thank Thee that we can rest assured that thy word is true, that thy word has authority. Father, let us be bound by it. We see the ideas of this world and how this world lives. We see all the practices of this world. Let us take all of those things and compare them to Scripture. And we find that there is much sin and iniquity and rebellion against Thee, and that is not the path that we are to walk in. And Father, we pray that we would hold firm to the authority of Scripture, that even though man will say different, man will try to persuade us to go along with this world, to go along with how this world thinks. Father, may we Though it go against the flow of society, may we not be ashamed to stand on thy word. Give us courage and strength and grace, we pray. Because sticking to the biblical authority of God's word and practice it in our lives, practicing it in our lives, is something that this world hates. Father, give us strength to live for thee, to bring glory to thy name. We pray thou would part us now with thy blessing. Be with us in the services to follow this day. Bless our brother as he brings thy word. And Father, may thy name be glorified, we pray for Jesus' sake. Amen.